chiming in on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and that's Angie Setzer. You might know her from Twitter as at uh, the Goddess of Grain. So, uh, Angie, pleasure. Glad that you could be on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, this was going to be fun. All right, Angie, so a lot of talk with China right now. There's been a uh, little back and forth with Trump and some tweets and whatnot, and we've seen what's happened with tweets in the past. So, uh, But it did make some moves uh, last week, Thursday and Friday last week, finished out the week strong in the grain market. So, What's your feel about uh, what you see happen with China, and, and where do you see it kind of you see it materializing at all? I've been, I mean, we've talked about it a couple different times, and I've been positive about what we would see happen, or been of the mindset that yeah, some of these changes need to to be made. Some of the the, and we're not the only ones, obviously, from a global perspective that feel the same way. Um, it's drug on far longer than I had anticipated. Um, I'm a little disappointed with how long it's drug on, just simply because now we're the 5th of November and working our way into what would traditionally be a slowdown in exports um, for soybeans, especially because we tend to front load soybean exports the, the first part of harvest. We did see it as a result in basis. Um, the lack of movement you know, really widened out the basis, especially for the guys in the, the western and, and specifically northwestern Corn Belt, the Dakotas and other areas, but we didn't see it in the Toledo market as well. So for me, I'm, I'm a little bummed about how long it took to, or how long it's taking, I guess you could say, to, to remedy the situation. Um, last week, I mean, really just kind of showed how excited or how much the traders want the soybean market to, to trade higher. They don't really care much about the fundamental side. They just are of the mindset that if this Chinese solution was about, that it's positive for grain. Now, the optimist in me is super excited as well. The realist in me says that nothing changed, you know, from Wednesday to, to Thursday, especially Friday. Um, nothing really will change unless we were to see part of the negotiation include having to purchase a large amount of, of, of soybeans from the United States. So if, if Trump were to put something in there where a large amount of soybeans needed to be purchased in this year's marketing year, then okay, yeah, I'd be excited. But reality is now, even if we were to solve the, the trade problem tomorrow, Brazil's crop right now is off to a good start. We have encouraged some expansion and acreage down that way, and we really only have about a two-month window before they want to start exporting. Now there's a lot of stuff going on with Brazil politically, um, and economically as well with their new president and what he intends to do. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but you know, like I said, the optimist in me is excited that we're getting somewhere and hopefully it'll be beneficial to us long term. The realist in me is bummed that it's taken this long and it's not remedied yet. And, you know, the issues that we see, you know, are, are kind of going to be long term. But, you know, let's be real. We grew a record crop, even if we do take some bushels off from a yield standpoint, we still had a large amount of acres and, and a reasonable crop. So the large supply um, 
you know, is, is going to weigh heavy on the market. We just definitely needed as much demand as possible, too, to, to kind of keep things uh, moving in the right direction price-wise. Yeah. Now, the, the news out of Brazil um, with uh, the new president they elected, they're very much a nationalist. Um, I think they're referring to him as Trump of uh, Amazon or something like that. I, I read a thing about that. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk that if America could go alone on the trade war thing and, and what that would look like and if, if the new president-elect and Trump were to get together and have some sort of agreement about trade, um, there could be, I mean, the Chinese are scared about it. I mean, everything I've read about it, they've, mm-hmm. they've really kind of, like, holy crap, this isn't supposed to be happening right now. And so they're, yeah, yeah so it's, it's kind of, what's your take on that? Yeah, they should be. And I mean, I, I refer to them, and maybe this is completely disrespectful, so don't don't send me hate mail. It's just an easy way to... I refer to him as Trump Jr. I mean, he really is. Uh, conversation, I read an article somewhere that he actually had had some of the folks that had worked on the Trump administration help his political campaign in a certain, um, a certain direction. Now, a lot of the people of Brazil, I mean, it's very much the same from a division standpoint. All you have to do is, is look at at Twitter and follow um, folks that live in Brazil to see that it's a very common conversation. There was actually a Kardashian, I think, that tweeted something about my prayers are with Brazil, and half of the the folks that responded were, oh, thank you, you have no idea how scary this is, and the other half were, no, this is right, this is what we need. He's been one, you know, his history has been that he fought corruption, um, he worked against a lot of the presidents, worked to kind of bring them to justice or bring justice to Brazil, I guess you could say. Um, so that is one thing is he does intend to make um, some moves to the right when it comes to the economic side of things. He wants to free up regulation, which could be looked at in two ways. First, uh, he thinks that the Amazon should be open to development um, which could open up the door to, to increase production overall. But um, he also has a lot of policies in place that want to will push the currency in Brazil to be stronger. Um, one of the reasons that the Brazilian farmers kind of come and become so competitive um, with us in recent years is that their currency has been exceptionally weak. Their economy is basically, in a lot of ways, a dumpster fire. And so the Brazilian farmer uses soybeans as a hedge against the weakening currency keeps them, sells them into the, the global market structure on a dollar basis, and is able to, to you know, basically have a much cheaper price, because when you convert the real to a dollar, it gives the Brazilian farmer more, even though the buyer is able to purchase them cheaper. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot going on there, and Bolsonaro has been very clear that he cannot stand China. He doesn't want China involved in Brazil. He says they're not just investing in Brazil, they're basically buying Brazil, and he wants to stop that. So I think that may have been part of the reason that you saw the, the conversation between President Trump and the Chinese president take place a week ago, is Trump had quoted or had tweeted on Monday after Bolsonaro's election that they had had a conversation and they were willing to work together um, to fight against China and build these trade relationships. And yes, that that does uh, freak China out a little bit, yeah. probably for very good reasons. Yeah, they get, there was there was a lot of panic in, in the articles that I read. I could not just if I just kind of read in between the lines. There was a lot of a lot of panic there. Uh, okay, so this week we have a uh, crop reports coming out. Uh, I believe it's coming out Thursday. This right Thursday, the sixth or the seventh. Yes. Something yep. like that. So Thursday anyhow. morning. Oh well, 
depending on where you're located, uh, right. Thursday at noon here in the Eastern Time Zone. Right. Okay, so what's your, there's been a lot of talk right now, especially with harsh pressures that we're seeing from weather, um, that they're, the crop's not as big as what they thought it was going to be. And yeah. I, I don't know if some that's already kind of built into the trade already thus far. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some volatility there. What's your feel for what's happening uh, with that crop report and, and kind of what's your feel for the overall kind of harvest situation that we're in? I haven't been one to think that the, the yields were as high as the USDA had anticipated. I spent most of the growing season living in north central Iowa. So um, I know, you know, for mo much of the year they were exceptionally wet, too wet. Um, throughout the start. So the, the planting was delayed. I mean, if you got uh, the crop planted, which no one got everything planted, but a portion of it planted, the corn that was planted around Mother's Day looked the best out of all of the corn in the area. Um, we were too wet, and then we were too dry, and then it's been too wet again. Um, I was really, really surprised at the USDA numbers. I knew trade was above 180, you know, throughout the month, month of June into July, and I actually got a lot of, of grief over saying that um, on a, a different marketing show, saying that the trade was above 180, and, and I thought it was a, an unlikely figure that we were going to see happen based on my experience being in North Central Iowa. Um, and I always said I had a very large backyard because I traveled from North Central Iowa um, to South Central Michigan multiple times in the during, throughout the growing season. Now, there were some garden spots, obviously, uh, west, uh, eastern Iowa, Illinois, into to parts of Indiana that looked really good all year long. Um, but now that the conversations, you know, now that we're actually into the field, the conversations are very, very different from what the USDA has been saying. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk right now in, in some of the garden areas that were just south of where I lived out there in Iowa, where there are, are quarters that are struggling to make three digits per farmers that I'm talking to. Now, this is the very same group of farmers that I'm talking to that told me that the, they agreed with the USDA based on some of the yield checks that they were seeing that the crop was surprisingly um, solid for what they had experienced. But I think we saw it last year where yield checks indicated that the crop just wasn't necessarily quite as good as what everyone was thinking, but the combine said differently. I think this year has been the opposite when it comes to corn. Uh, perhaps yield checks, just going out and taking a look, looked really good, but once you actually ran the whole field, you realize that, you know, those drown out spots, those areas that just did not have the ears like you thought they would, um, you know, there's disease. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine that is farming in central Iowa right now that is trying to figure out what to do with what they call high bomb corn. I kind of chuckle about it. It's, you know, it's three parts bomb out there. Here, that is, I, I'm praying that my elevator samples run three parts for him. He's trying to figure out where he can take um, all of his corn. So I think uh, quality issues will be major. Um, you know, from an overall standpoint, I don't think the yield is there as we expect. But I do struggle with the USDA a little bit. They're not ones to admit that they were wrong, especially when they've doubled down three, four months in a row. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them leave yields relatively close to where they are um, and wait to see if the crop actually shows up in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they'll make adjustments on past years or say that, you know, kind of factored into past years maybe being bigger than, than what they had indicated. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the yield off of bushel or two this Thursday in soybeans, uh, but see that positive 
reduction in production be offset by a decrease in export numbers? So carry out, you know, perhaps net unchanged. Corn's a little bit more of a question. Um, you know, I think they could take corn down a, a bushel or two, which would have a, a big impact. Um, overall, uh, they could try to reduce ethanol demand, but I don't think they're going to after the E15 announcement. Exports have been on track to kind of meet, if not exceed expectations up until the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks have been pretty sad. Um, so we'll have to, to kind of see where we head. But, you know, in my mind, the yield hasn't been there all year that the USDA has been saying. It's just whether or not the USDA wants to agree with, with my mindset or if they want to stay in their own own path. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So, all right, Angie. Well, I think we've kind of covered it here today. If, uh, if folks wanted to reach out to you and, and drop you a line, how, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, there's a Twitter and Goddess of Green on Twitter. Um, my messages are open. If you have questions, go ahead and send them over. Or you can email me at asetzer at citizenselevator.com. All right, Angie. All right, Angie. Well, that's great. Great stuff. Had a good time this morning, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday. All right. Sounds like a plan. Maybe right. by Wednesday, I'll have a better sheet behind me. That's awesome. So, I'm not going to lie to you. That's, that's, right. That, the, plaid that's, is, the plaid's nice. That's par with the yeah. show. I'm not going to lie to you. That's, that's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Thank you. in the 21st century. Hard-working people